This week, I was uh, doing some work here around the church, and isn't it beautiful here today? Man, uh, huge, huge shout out to my wife, Elizabeth, and to our staff who put this all together today. Um, yeah, they did a beautiful job. But uh, I was doing something a little less glamorous. I was out raking leaves, you know, as you do, and uh, filling the baptistry, raking leaves, cleaning up some things around the property, covered in dirt. I look awful. And uh, as I'm doing some work outside, this guy walked up to me and he said, are you the maintenance man? And I looked at him and I said, Mary? (laughs) If you believe that story, that's wonderful. In uh, 2022, last year, Rowan Williams, you didn't think I'd get too far into Easter Sunday without mentioning my friend Rowan Williams. He opened his Easter homily at All Saints Margaret Street by telling this story. One day, he said, Jesus was walking with some of his disciples through a wood. He was teaching and the disciples, some of them, were listening. But it was getting on toward lunchtime, and St. Peter, of course, was getting hungry. So he fell back a little, he rummaged in his rucksack, and he pulled out a bread roll. He took a large bite, at which point Jesus turns around and says, but what do you think, Peter? Peter hastily spits out the bread on the the ground, and he replies to him, I couldn't have put it better myself, master and they walked on. But where he had spat out his bread, a little crop of mushrooms grew. Now the devil happened to be following behind the disciples, as he often intended to do, and he was very impressed with this little trick that Peter had just done. So he took some bread out of his rucksack, he chewed it, and he spat it on the ground, and what should come up? but a good clump of toadstools. Toadstools, in case you're not familiar, are generally the fungi that are poisonous. The point of this story is that it tells us two things about the devil. Last night I was talking to my sister-in-law and jokingly she goes, y'all ready for tomorrow? What are you gonna do, talk about the devil? I said, yeah, <laughs> I am. This story tells us two things about the devil. First, that the devil is a plagiarist and a very bad plagiarist at that. Second, that the devil imitates what God does, but deeply unsuccessfully. The devil can't generate what is truly new and what is truly nourishing for us. And when we can come to understand these realities of the devil, we can come to see the ways in which we find ourselves in bondage to the devil, that we give way to falsehoods, false realities, to seeing the world and ourselves and our neighbors in ways that are untrue, even when they seem to be true. 
The trick or the trap is that we buy into the devil's plagiarism when we try to make something new or we try to make something nourishing from our own resources, from our own strength, from our own understanding, from our own sense of what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false. Like the devil, we try to build our own world We try to build a world that's based on these surface level instincts of fear and vanity, our self-serving attitudes that are the animating forces behind all of our bad behavior and bad choices. So to live in the devil's world is to live in a world that is constructed around our ego. This is what we have to be delivered from. We have to be delivered from the falsehoods that we tell ourselves about ourselves, about our communities, about our neighbors, about our nations, about our churches. The falsehoods that we build up so that we don't have to live on God's earth as God's creatures, loving God's creation. This is the freedom that Jesus offers us. He offers us the freedom to deliver us from these falsehoods so that we can stand with and in Christ, so that we can see the world from the same place that Christ sees the world from, from the other side of death. But to stand in that place, to receive that invitation, to stand alongside Jesus, means that we have to be people who become well acquainted with death the death of our ego, the death of our self-protections, the death of the world as we've made it, and to allow the fire of Christ, in Paul's words, to begin to melt away everything that is untrue. Jesus' tomb today is empty. But Jesus' tomb is empty because Jesus has stepped into all of our tombs. Jesus goes into the heart of death for us. He goes into those falsehoods and those fears and those insecurities that lead to death. Jesus meets us there at those places. And he speaks to us a word that is true. He shows us what kind of life abides what we know as everlasting life. And what we find there is that as we stay in that place, by the breathing of God's spirit, the fire of Christ begins to spread into our hearts and into our lives and into our lungs so that more and more of that wax of falsehood begins to melt away until what is left in us is true life the true life of joy, the true life of adoration, the true life of generosity. God's own life is what's left. It's the life that delights in the lives of other people. It's the life of communion with God and with our neighbor. It's the life of joy and the life of intimacy, the life of strength to act when we would otherwise withdraw in uncertainty. And this life is made possible because this life is Jesus' life. 
and he has made room for us where he is, not so that we can be safe, not so that we can be protected from bad things happening to us. Remember those words from Frederick Buchner. Resurrection means that the worst thing that's happened is not the last thing that's happened. So that we can see the way that Jesus sees. We can learn to speak with the voice of Jesus, that we can breathe life in the same way that Jesus breathes life into us. Following Jesus, following the crucified and risen one, it's not about scoring high on some moral examination. Following Jesus is about living in a way that doesn't try to make a world that suits us. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This is what makes Jesus sinless. It's not, again, that he's the one who who scored the highest marks on some kind of moral exam. That's not what makes Jesus sinless. What makes him sinless is because his life was free from all those instincts to make the world work for him in some way. You remember the story of the devil's tempting of Jesus. And every temptation, every single one comes down to, will you make the world work for you in the way that you want it to? Jesus, John's gospel tells us, he's able to live to simply bear witness to the truth. And what is the truth? His own life, the life of Jesus. There is no falsehood in this one. And this life, the gospels tell us, is the life that is indestructible, is the life that is eternal, the life that is everlasting, because its ground and its root is not in its own image. It's not in what it acquires and gains for itself. It's rooted in what has happened to it. Its ground and root is the eternal God. God who is without lies and without shadows, without fears or prejudice, without any barrier to pour out love on who and what he wishes, which is all of creation, that is the life that endures. And true life for us begins when we stand where Jesus stands, when we speak the words that Jesus speaks and breathe the breath of Jesus. Only when we live here, in this place, that is Jesus, is our life secure. Everything else weakens, everything else fails, everything else dies, but this life remains. When I'm able to, to the best of my ability, to mend a relationship with someone that I've hurt or someone that I've betrayed, that life that endures takes root. When I'm able to remain open and hospitable and welcoming to a life that threatens my comfort, that life begins to take root. When we can reach out our hands to those who have been made homeless by the violence of the world, that life takes root. 
when we open the doors of our hearts without fear, both individually and corporately, that life, true life, takes root in us. But here's the trick. This life, true life, will always have to sneak up on you. It sneaks up on you because it arrives in the most basic, most mundane, everyday parts of living. We're here on Resurrection Sunday announcing that Jesus is Lord, that Christ is risen, and tomorrow is Monday, and you have to get out of bed and go to work all over again. This life sneaks up on you because every day there are a million little things that will try to convince you that the true life offered to you in Jesus isn't real life. That in fact, all of the gray, all of the mundane, all of the the destruction and violence and suffering and pain and fear, the infighting and the broken homes, fractured relationships, lost friendships, a million little things will try to convince you every day that is what's real because that's what you can see. And when you feel that way, when you feel like all you can see is the darkness and the disappointment and burned up dreams, remember this, you have died, Paul tells us. You have died and your life is hidden in Christ. When you can't see the realest thing right in front of you, when you're standing there at the empty tomb and you see the one who is risen and the only person you can see is the gardener, (laughs) remember, Jesus names you. And Jesus names you in a way that melts away all of that falseness, all of those parts in us that work from our ego, those things that work for self-protection and getting more, all of those lies that we tell ourselves about our identity, that we are what we have, we are what we do, we are what other people say and think about us, We are nothing less than our best moment. We're nothing more than our worst moment. All of that melts away when we look at Jesus and he calls us by our true name. Mary, he says. He alone can tell us who we are. He alone speaks our true name. He alone holds us for eternity in love and in communion with one another. And because he lives, we can too. Something has ended. Something else has begun. And it may take a while for us to see it. It will have to sneak up on us first. But remember that your feet are planted in the garden of resurrection. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen.